before we um, get started, stay right where you're at just for a moment. I just want to share a word that came um, to my wife and I. Actually, it came to my wife and anymore. I just figure um, in the miracle of oneness when the Lord speaks to her, it's a word for me. That's just how it works. And, you know, I'm not going to tell the whole story um, of how that happened, partly because it's not my story. But the Lord, um, I believe he wants to remind us um, that we're in a war. We are in a war. And the words that came to her were, um, correct me if I'm wrong, it was, don't forget you're in a war. Is that, is that the words? Don't forget you're in a war. In other words, you know, um, this has nothing to do with the message. It's just on my heart to do this. Just remember there is a very great warfare going on. And as I prayed over, when I get a word like that from the body, especially from my wife, but from y'all. <laughs> when I get a word like that, um, I pray over it, and I want to know deeper into, like, what are you really trying to say? And, um, and, you know, I believe that there is really only one warfare. This is what I believe I got from him. It's the warfare of deception. And it's blowing me away how much, when I, I talk to relatives, I talk to relatives, you know, the family of God, and I'm watching different scenarios going on, and it's crazy how many people are, are where, where it's working right now. They're in the confusion of deception and everything. It's, it's, uh, it's causing people to think things they would never think and to make decisions they would never make. Beautiful children of God are, are being pummeled right now in this warfare. And it's not okay. So one more thing before we finish this time of prayer. Um, if you would just join me. Are you all in? I would like to just pray to just bind the enemy's power of deception to keep confusing people. Because, um, you know, the other thing, before I start praying, the other thing is there is a real attack on unity. Okay? And I'm going to say, obvi obviously, just watch the news. Okay? In the world. Okay? But it's coming into the church. And, and it's, um, it's driving me crazy because I should be preaching on unity this morning. And I, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I think we're just supposed to, um, we're supposed to pray because it's coming to my attention that there's, there's a continuous attack in this deception and confusion to cause people to think things they would never think, and it's causing disunity at a time when the Lord is calling us to exactly the opposite, to go deeper and be prepared for this world. And so we need to pray, first of all, for ourselves. I'm not above anything, right? Is anybody, we can't have pride. We have to know we're in a warfare where um, I can be as deceived as anyone can be, and so can you. Now, others, I'm aware of others that are, that are in the pits of deception right now. And they need us to pray to go into the courts and lift them out of it. Okay? So let's do this. Father, we believe that you're calling us to pray right now. And, um, and we're really fed up with the silly attempts of the enemy, especially when it, when it works sometimes. And so in the authority of the name of Jesus that you give us as your sons and daughters, we declare over the spiritual realm that you now have to stop. We have unity in Jesus' church. This is not our church. This is your church, Jesus. And as we are in you, we are asking for unity. The power of deception is broken 
now. And Lord, I ask that you would that you would show us as we're in relationship with some of these people, show us how we are your vessels for light and truth. Give us a bold voice to draw people out of confusion and out of deception back into the blessed place of unity. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We did that. You know the spiritual realm just changed. Either we believe the word of God or we don't. When we pray like that, we just changed reality in the spiritual realm. We have to believe that. Oh, okay, so now youth. So middle school and high school break out to Altitude Youth. That's um, upstairs with Pastor David back here. Pastor Bianca's got children in children's church. Father, we ask a blessing on that. We ask for great anointing on our leaders. We ask that children will be radically blessed this morning. Okay, so, um, okay, I sense I'm already, I'm supposed to rearrange this, but don't worry, I'm not changing the order of scriptures. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I might later, but I'm not, I'm not yet. I was going to tell this story later, but um, I, I sense that, um, I just feel like I should start with this story instead. And this, uh, this happened yesterday with me. I'm just going to have a really transparent moment. Um, let me tell you before I start, actually, we're going to be taught, we're in a series for those of you who aren't regularly with us on anointing. And I, what's this part? Nine? Eleven? <laughs> and um, we're just, we're just taking it a step at a time by his leading, going through um, how we are the anointed ones, and we don't just we don't have just any anointing. It's not we think of it as well. I've got my anointing, and you've got yours, and and we're going to teach about that, and that's that's partly true. But the bottom line is, we have the anointing of Jesus. We have Jesus's anointing. He didn't disciple. Um, he didn't disciple his disciples, of which you are one, ever into an anointing other than his. His anointing was the anointing of the kingdom. The anointing of the kingdom is the representation of the government of the kingdom of God. In other words, what is anointing? It is a person. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit upon for effectiveness. And it's, it's not effectiveness for just anything. It's effectiveness to represent the government of God from the courts of heaven in this place otherwise known as dominion. So what do we do now? We're in the restoration of that dominion on our lives. That's God's good plan. Go ahead and say, I'm an anointed one. Okay, this morning, um, we are going to talk about the voice of anointing. Okay, so I guess I'm not doing the story first. It looks like I've jumped in here. Um, how did Israel... Okay, you understand, Israel saw the great power of God act on their behalf right? Freed from Egypt. We've got plagues. We've got parted water. Um, he, uh, pillar of fire and pillar of cloud, and he led them. He provided manna, quail, water, great outworkings of power, right? So, um, and what? How about even the conquest of Canaan? 
Okay, when they come into the promised land, they didn't really win it by their might, now did they? They, they won it by the might of the Lord. But, but now listen, we also read in that that um, there were moments where they went into great defeat, right? Sometimes they had great, they walked around the walls of Jericho and the walls just fell, great success. Other times they would go off to battle and they would be completely slaughtered and go, whoa, what did we do there? Right? So here's my question. How did Israel walk in, let's, let's call it the anointing this morning, okay? The effectiveness of the, of the kingdom of government, working out the will. How did they, they know when to do something? When to and when not to? In other words, if they had that great power of God upon them, why wouldn't they have just gone in and marched in and took the place over? God's, un, God's unlimited. God was with them, right? So what's the question? How did they stay in the will of God so that, so that the anointing, the presence, was available to them for what they were accomplishing? And I'm going to suggest it's just one answer that we're going to look at this morning. It was the voice of God. It was the rhema voice of God. Um, Last week, I guess I am doing that story later. Um, we're in it now. Um, let's do this. Turn to John um, chapter 21, and we're going to start right in verse 1. We're going to do a warm-up story. John 21, verse 1. Okay, here it says, After these things... I'll, I'll be kind. I still hear, I actually hear pages turning. Usually you don't in this electronic world. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Now let me tell you what we're reading. This is after the resurrection, and the disciples are, are in a mode where they're, they're, they've been used to being with Jesus. Now he's not with them physically, but he's been showing up to them, telling them about the kingdom. Okay? That's where we're reading. Verse 2. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They immediately said to him, we're going with you also. So what's going on here? So in other words, Jesus has risen from the dead and what? Now um, they're returning to pretty normal. I'm going to suggest that going fishing for Peter and at least some of these other guys, this is the most normal thing in the world for them. I even um, get a sense, um, I may not be right, but I even get a sense that they're in a mode here where where kind of the enthusiasm's waned. They're not quite sure what to do. So what do you do? You kind of return to normal, right? And, and I suspect that because of what Jesus does and what we're about to read next. So they say, we're going also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Okay, does that sound familiar to anything? What, what is that familiar to? The calling of Peter. Right? When Peter called him originally, the original calling, it's starting to mirror here. Okay? Um, what verse was I on, folks? That, that was four? Okay. 
Verse 4, but when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. Sound familiar? Like more than familiar, right? Like almost like a redo? Okay. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, I can't skip over that. We've said this before, but do you know what that is? That's John talking about himself. He, he has absolute assurance that so that even when he writes, he says, that disciple whom Jesus loved. Do you know what we do in our culture? We go around, oh, what do you do? What do you do for a living? Or, or um, tell me about yourself or whatever. How many of you would be first inclined to go, well, I'm the one Jesus loves? <laughs> or instead of using your own name, you would, you would refer to yourself as I'm the one he loves. That's a calling. That's an invitation even when you just read John doing it. Um, but that's not why we're reading this. Um, Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw... Now listen, this is really why we're reading this. Listen here. They, um, as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you've just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. They must have counted them. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Now here it is. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. Now listen to verse 14. It's the one you usually skip. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the third time, okay, Jesus shows himself to them. In other words, what? It's not that many times. In other words, they're not that different from your life, okay? What would Jesus' message be? if? Okay, so he's appeared to them three times, and, um, and so he's got short time to... Uh, to communicate to them the important things they need to be moving on in this, in this anointed life that he's calling them to, right? So if this is the third time, what would be the great message, the great communication that he would have for them? Being that it's just the, just the third time, would it be, you know, a new grand strategy for evangelism, for um, evangel making disciples of the nations, What's the communication here? Come have breakfast. Now, I'm going to tell you, there is a deeper one that you might miss, that I've missed most of my life as I read this, and I'm seeing it clearly now. There's something about the identical match of this story to when he called those first four disciples. 
Okay, and so what is that? They're returning to normal. It's not a coincidence what Jesus does. In fact, in verse 6, when I just have to do this. When Jesus says to them, uh, cast the net on the other side of the boat and you'll find some, I just have to imagine that he's hysterically laughing. Do you think so too? Or am I off base here? I mean, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows who he's talking to, who he's saying those words to, and he is having great fun this morning. You know that he is. But he's doing something really deep. He is reminding them of calling, isn't he? Do you know we have to be reminded? Especially as, um, okay, so especially as we lose sight of the fact that we're in a warfare. Or things become very, very normal. Um, we return back to the former mode, don't we? And so what was so important, if he was going to show up in person, you know he was, what we're going to get to this morning is he's speaking all the time. Do you know Jesus is speaking to you all the time? I'm barely getting a nod. <laughs> Are you aware of it all the time? No, but he is speaking to you all the time, isn't he? He's the word of God, <laughs> okay? He's the Logos word of God. He does not stop speaking to you. It's an awareness thing. And we're, we're going to look at that this morning. Now, I know they had an advantage. He's showing up physically. Um, anybody heard the audible voice of God? Got a few. Good. Thank God. More than once? Okay. More than three times? <laughs> awesome. So we have people who hear the audible voice of God. Um, for those of you who raised your hand about hearing the audible voice of God, have you heard him more often in other ways or in other ways that he uses his voice or more often in the audible voice? In the other ways, right? So it's, it's, a, it's the exception, isn't it? Okay. Now I'm going to move. That was just a warm-up story. The most important thing that he felt just the third time that he reappeared was, first of all, for them to know that he delights to be with them. He was having fun with them. He was playing with them. Throw it on the other side. You remember that? Let's do that again. Bringing back to them the calling. Do you know, um, I shouldn't neglect this. One major way that the voice of the Lord comes to us is by, um, is by doing something familiar that he's done before or by reminding us of calling that we've lost sight of. And I think we see that in that story, don't we? That's one way. We're going to touch several ways, but that's really not the point. I promise we're leading somewhere. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6. So this is Paul right into the church of Corinth, and now he's going to begin to tell us something about um, the voice of God. And uh, I'm just going to start reading. Verse 6, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age. I think I need to back up a little, so I'm going to. Okay, I'm backing up to verse 1. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. We should start here. And, uh, and I, brethren, 
when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words or human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Okay, what's your faith in? In the power of God. Okay, now, track. I'm going to do something very heady, and I, I promise we're going to bring it to the heart, but this is important. So here, I, I know you're all familiar with this verse, and here he's saying what? It's not the eloquence of my speech. It's the power of God. It's the presence. It's the anointing on God's people. Okay, but now watch this. I think we missed this. Starting in verse 6, it begins with however. In other words, it's setting something off as kind of opposed to her. On the other hand, okay, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Did you catch it? There, he's not talking about an outworking of power. He is actually talking about speaking wisdom. But to, but to a particular audience, isn't it? Among those who are mature. How many of you are mature? I'm just kidding. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. You have some maturity. We're all at some place in the measure of maturity. I'd like to have a lot more. <laughs> so I'm going to read that again. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet, now here it is. Now he's going to draw a distinction. Um, as soon as I find, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God ordained before the ages for our glory. Now, I'm going to do the main point in a second. I just, I cannot let you miss what this wisdom is for. Did you see what it just said it's for? For your glory. You're loved like that, okay? This wisdom, it doesn't say for his glory. Just notice that. And all through the scriptures, it talks about him, him bringing you into his glory. But this wisdom is for your glory. Do you know that you can't give God something you don't have? In other words, if you don't have glory, you've got nothing to give. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm hearing some hmms. You know, I think we, we beat ourselves up, church. You know that you don't see yourself as beautiful as God sees you? You don't love yourself as well as he loves you? His plans for you are higher than plans you can make for yourself. It's that kind of love. This wisdom, the importance of this wisdom, I'm really going to show you in a minute. But before we even do, you've got to recognize what it's for. It's for your glory. So that... You can glorify God. You have a glory. You are glorious. Okay. Um, for your glory, verse 8, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What is the cost of not having that wisdom? Now, this is going to connect to voice, but just for now, what's the cost? Say again? Eternal life. Eternal life. There, there's a cost. Eternal 
that I'm going to say the cost is, is what he said, but being against the will of God. Now, that language is too religious, so let's don't leave it there. We've got to make this real. In other words, not having that wisdom causes us to live in a way that is not in alignment with God. We fall, we, you know that there is any th- thousands of directions that we can walk <laughs> that are not alignment with God. And the only way, how did Israel know um, what to do, when to do, what not to do, when to conquer, when God's power was available? There's only one way, his voice. And that's where we're going. Sometimes they were to drive in and win the battle. Other times they were not to go to battle yet. And if they did it their own way, so, so listen, there are thousands of ways that we can walk that are not in alignment with God. The cost here, what you read here, are the rulers of this age who actually crucified the Lord. I don't think I have time to do it this morning, but I could have gone through a bunch of scriptures that show that when we're not in alignment with the Lord, that's exactly what we're doing. We're, I mean, that sounds really harsh, right? You're not, you're not literally going to going to start screaming, crucify him, crucify him, like they did. But lack of alignment with the Lord is, um, you know, there is only one obedience, which is alignment with the Lord. Am I doing okay? Okay. All right. Now let's read on. This gets good. I told you it was heady, but now it's, it's going to go to the heart as we move on here. Verse 9 says, but as it, as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. What do you say? God's prepared good things for me. Say that with me. God's prepared good things for me. Okay, but now here's the thing. And here's what we're getting at. Lord, help me with this part. If I, if I can pull this off, we're, we're, we got a really good thing coming. This, this essential wisdom of God for the anointing is required just to be in alignment, just not to be crucifying the Lord, okay? If we need this wisdom, how are we to be a people who, who get there um, to have the things that he's prepared for us? Did that make sense? Um, I did not do that well. That's why I'm asking for help from the Lord here. Um, Do you know that um, last week we talked about the faith of anointing, okay? Now, you know that he purposely designs this so that you are going to walk into the things he's prepared for you by faith. What does that require? In other words, doesn't that require the word? And we're going to see it here in the scripture, but it requires the word of the Lord, does it not? The rhema word that we talked about. In other words, why? Otherwise, what do you have your faith in? How are you going to, in faith, walk into the anointed things that he's prepared for you? Things that you can't imagine unless you have a word from God. You know, sometimes the promises of God are all you've got. The circumstances are going to completely lie. We've talked about that. But so, so we come to a place where we have to ask um, how does a creature where it literally says, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it even entered your heart, the things that he's prepared for you. And yet, as an anointed child of God, somehow, by faith, you're going to walk into these things. 
So now, am I doing okay or is it too heady? Are you swimming around? Yes, yes and yes. Okay, then we're, we're going to go on and I'm going to show you how this connects. Um, I, I just want you to notice before, before we move on, notice the strong connection that you cannot separate of the things that he's prepared for you and the hidden wisdom of God. Did you catch that? There, there's a connection that you cannot break where it's saying, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom of God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this world had known. And it moves on to talk about um, for the things which God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, there's an inseparable, we have a need of the revelation of the hidden wisdom of God to walk into the things that he's prepared for you. Okay. Does that make you wonder how we get that wisdom? And, and I should read this. Um, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. We did this last week, so I'm just going to touch it. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, by the rhema word of God. Now, I know you all got it who were here last week, but um, just grab on to this. That um, It doesn't say faith comes by hearing. Um, it doesn't say faith comes by hearing the word of God. It says faith comes by hearing. Okay? We just read a scripture that talks about nor ear heard. So there's a need for hearing, for spiritual hearing. And hearing by the, that, that word there is rhema, by the rhema word of God. In other words, the fresh breathed word. So now I want to look. All right, now we're going to the heart. If that was uh, too lofty, it was almost too lofty for me. <laughs> I was swimming in my own head. So go to John um, chapter 6. And verse 1. This is the same narrative that we looked at last week, the feeding of the 5,000. And what we're going to do is, as we move forward, I want you to pay attention to Jesus speaking to them. Why? What is that? It's the rhema word of God for them, right? It's the voice of God speaking to them. It's what they have to hold on to. It's what reveals the hidden wisdom and allows them to walk into the things he's prepared for them, right? Last week we talked about the only thing Jesus ever did was prepare disciples to be the ones that could carry the glory. And that's what he's doing with you. Whether you know it or not. You might be miserable. You know, if you're miserable, it's probably because you have a lack of alignment thing. <laughs> just putting it out there <laughs> thanks for laughing uh, John 6 verse 1 after these things Jesus went over the sea of Galilee which is the sea of Tiberias then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased and Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples now the Passover a feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But he said this to test him for he himself knew what he would do. Now look, last week we really focused on, on Luke 9.13 where he says, you give them something to eat. He's speaking to the disciples. That's the rhema word too, right? the immediate, the right now, life-breathed word of, word of God to them, you give them something to eat. 
Here, we're looking at a personal encounter with Philip. Okay? Um, he's not, it, it identifies that he's not just speaking generally to the group. He's speaking personally to Philip. So you know in your life he does both. Right now he's speaking to a group. But do you know he's also speaking personally? Um, hopefully better than, you know, not hopefully. I know he does this. Um, way better than the, than the words that come out of my mouth. He's speaking personally. Be, because the voice, the, we talked last week, the voice, the, the rhema voice of God is something that only spirit recognizes. It's not even something I can do with my mouth. Or you can do when you're talking to somebody. It is a spirit recognition of, of one's spirit to God. And here, dealing individually with Philip, he says, he says to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Okay? I'm going to tell you, this is another way that the voice of God comes to us, and, and we need to be aware of this. It's a, it's a poking towards greater faith. Isn't it? There's an impossible situation in front of him, and what he has to, what he has to Philip is a question. You know, I don't know about you. I know he speaks to all of us very different. Um, there's obviously going to be similarities because he has a personality, but very different, right? Most of the time with me, more often than not, the voice of the Lord to me comes in a question. It comes in a question that drives me nuts, um, prods me towards greater faith or, or prods me to figure something out with him, of course. Is that true about anybody else in here? Most, mostly the word of the Lord comes to you in questions? Just me. Wow, it's feeling lonely up here. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to tell you the story I was going to tell you. You know, let's do that now. I'm going to tell you a story now. Because one of the things I'm doing today that's just, it's on my heart. I feel like I'm working hard to do it. But um, what's on my heart, and we are going to get this done, is we're going to demystify the anointed life, and, his, and the criticalness of his voice. Because there is no such thing as the anointed life without, without awareness, alignment, the ability to hear the rhema word of God giving us the capacity to have faith. That's the bottom line. And so I'm going to tell you a transparent story. I'm going to tell you the Lord speaks to me through deer. This is the point where it's okay to roll your eyes and go, oh, no. Deer are beginning to talk to pastor. This is not, this can't be good. <laughs> I've always loved deer. When I was a kid, um, I used to beg. Um, when I was about 16, 17, I would beg my parents for the keys, and I would drive over to um, a cemetery, actually the National Cemetery, because it was loaded with deer. And I would take pictures, and um, it was just a special thing I did by myself, and the Lord knows this. Um, he knows everything about us, doesn't he? And um, anymore, the Lord uses deer as part of his rhema voice to me. Um, I'll tell you um, a quick story that leads into what happened with me yesterday. Um, there was a Sunday not that long ago, perhaps a year ago, where it was a very discouraging Sunday for me. I didn't feel like I did a good job, you know, and, I, and it was just like, oh, Lord, it felt like you were, you were absent to me. I really kind of struggled this morning, and, and um, I don't know if you're good at beating yourself up, but I was kind of driving home just, just feeling really kind of downtrodden. 
And I pulled into my driveway, and, um, and I stepped out of my truck, and I took a couple of steps, and I, w- I realized I was surrounded by deer. And I've noticed that the Lord to me, when he wants to use deer to speak to me, there's always a beautiful buck in the mix to catch my attention. And I ended up standing there and refreshing. And the next week, I found out I had a, like a record number of people come and go, that was such an amazing, God was so in that, and it impacted me so deeply. So avoid beating yourself up. This is how God uses deer with me. Yesterday, um, so it's been a tiling week, okay? We're renovating upstairs, and um, so I'm kind of crunching. I'm kind of stressed. Like, I don't have time. I don't have the time that I need to honor you in this word, Lord. And so I'm stressed about it, and I'd forgotten my computer here because the week was so busy. So I'm driving from home yesterday morning just to pick up my computer to get to work. On the way, I see this group of deer headed about a quarter mile away from my house headed in the direction of my house and um and i i hear the the lord say to me um and i'm certain of it just for me i'm sharing you personal stuff i'm certain that he said to me you used to like deer and i began to fight with him i began to go well you know i um i since i've moved to colorado i've really started to like elk I'm just saying, they taste better. It's more of an event when you see them. You know, you see deer on the side of the road, and and you kind of, anymore, they're almost like rodents in our neighborhood. I've even kind of gone to war with them because they eat my plants. They rub and kill my aspens. And I'm kind of arguing with the Lord. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I used to like them, but now I like elk. They taste better. And that's it. I forget about it. Okay, but I know that like something just happened there that that's either I'm a crazy person or so I get my computer. I drive back home. I um, I sit down at my office to uh, begin this preparation, actually, and I look out the window and the same group of deer. I, I know they're the same because there's a cut in one of their ears. <laughs> you know, your deer. They're they're grouped right out of my window. And here this big, beautiful buck walks out. And at first I'm like, oh, I've got to work. I, and the buck walks out. And I sense the Lord say to me, no, the buck is like, I'm trying to speak to you. So I stand up and I look out the window. And he begins to challenge. He says to me these words, you're doing this in your relationship with me. And I'm like, I'm doing what? And he's saying, the simple things that you used to enjoy with me, you're not. And ouch, right? And so, um, and so I'm like, okay. And so I watch the deer. So I figured this can be remedied by just, all right, I'll enjoy it with you, Lord. I'll watch the deer. <laughs> and he begins, the buck begins to rub one of my favorite little young aspens. <laughs> I, you can't make this up. And I was just complaining to the Lord about the fact that the deer do this, and that's why I don't like them so much anymore. And I sense him say to me, you're letting the little things, you're letting the little rubs keep you from just having fun with me and enjoying the anointed life. And so, I mean, to me, so to you, you could be sitting there scratching your head, right, where you're going, 
Um, wow, he's attributing a lot to the Lord, huh? But when it's happening with you, when the Lord is speaking with you like that, you know it, right? The rhema voice of the Lord. And um, that's, that's my story. Oh, actually, that's not the story. That The deer drove me nuts all afternoon. The whole time I prepared for this message, I'm looking out the window. He's still there. Sometimes he's rubbing the tree, seeing if I'll leave him alone and not chase him off for killing my tree. And then he beds down and, and just sits there and looks right up at my window, bedded down like this. And I sense, I sense the Lord say, we rest into the anointing. We don't work into it we rest in do you know when i finished when i've like finished and i'm like okay that wasn't as much i would love to give this 40 more hours <laughs> and but i can't so i closed the computer and i'm done i got up i i looked out the window to see um to see what would happen next and it was at that moment the deer stood up and walked over the hill this buck we were done <laughs> I'm putting that out there because at the end of this, I'm going to ask you to explore how he speaks to you. Um, but let's, let's return into this. Um, okay, go to John chapter 20. This is a, an interaction of Jesus with Thomas. Um, you know, Thomas is a very concrete one. Um, we have some among us. <laughs> Whenever I say something like that, I make sure my eyes track the ceiling. <laughs> very, very concrete. I can be like this. Thomas is the one who says, um, when Jesus is going, you know where I'm going. He go Thomas is the one who goes, how could we possibly know where you're going? Tell us where you're going. And he's the one who needs to see the nail holes and everything. And he's very concrete. Um, here, so John 20, verse 25. So he said to them, unless I see his hands, the, in his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here. And look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Now, before I read on, do you notice the word be? Do not be unbelieving. Do you know unbelieving is a state? <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a thing. It's a, we, we, we either are believing or we are not believing. It's, a, it's Okay, I'll leave that alone. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Now, now listen, this is the part to focus. These words really bothered me. Thomas, because you have seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. But now here's the thing. He's talking to Thomas and Thomas has no ability to go back and redo this thing, right? And there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. And so I'm going, man, either, either Jesus just wanted him to feel really bad about himself, right? Or what? 
What's the insight here? Obviously, the Jesus you know does not want Thomas to be riddled with guilt about the fact that he needed to see to believe. So what is it? I'm going to tell you that this is another way the voice of the Lord comes to us, okay? It comes to the voice, the rhema voice of the Lord comes when we're, when we're riddled with something we wish was different. We wish we had done differently. In other words, conviction, not condemnation. Now, what makes it conviction? I, can, I know Jesus, so I, can, I know him personally. So I... Um, can only interpret this one way. There must be many, many things coming in Thomas's future where he is going to need to believe without seeing. Otherwise, there's no way, there's no reason Jesus would speak these words to him. He's not in the business of making us feel bad. So that, that rhema voice of the Lord, that conviction, is the voice that, that is pointing out um, the, the hole in the face so that we can move into a greater anointed place. For Thomas to live the anointed life that he has ahead of him at this moment, he needs these words of Jesus to point out um, that it is more blessed to believe without seeing. Thomas is going to need to employ this. Amen? Anybody experience the rhyme of the voice of God? Do you like that sometimes? Do you let it turn to condemnation? <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm probably pretty good at that. <clears throat> this was a real intimate moment for me when I ran into this. I'm pretty good at letting that voice turn into condemnation. It's a, it's, sometimes it's very difficult for me to know that the Lord only speaks to me because He loves me. He only speaks to me because... Because eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor it, has it even been put in my heart, the things he's prepared for me. And that's why he speaks to me. So these are, these are preparing words. It's not about the past. Do you know you don't own your past? <laughs> um, you've taken responsibility you've repented for it hopefully but I mean do you know who, who has ownership of your past the Lord the word of God is very clear that you, it's been purchased that means it's not yours it's been bought okay I'm going to wrap, I'm going to begin wrapping with this. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and now we're going to, we're going to pick up where we were. And remember, this is the connection between the wisdom that we need. In other words, to know the hidden things of God. We actually have to do that. We actually have to be, they're, they're, otherwise we have nothing to put our faith in. Do you know the greater things are the things that you have to, you have, to have um, a deeper faith for a longer period of time? Those are the greater things. Otherwise, why would God emphasize waiting on him so much in the scripture? Do you follow me? The, the fruit of waiting is, is, a, is a thing of faith that brings us into the things that, that you can't fathom, that eye hasn't seen or ear heard, the things that he's prepared for you. So now read with me here, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We pick up in verse 10. 
But God has revealed them. Actually, I better back up. Revealed them. Revealed what? Um, I'm going to back up to verse 7. Just read that again. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But God has revealed them, what is that? The hidden things, the mysteries, to us through his spirit. So you see what's critical here. Church, we've got to become, um, we have got to grow, to go where God's going, into a people that are hearing him in the spirit. Last week we talked about Peter walking on the water and what was his litmus test. Um, the, Lord, the Lord said, you know, don't worry, uh, it's fine, be of good cheer. It's me. But that didn't do it for Peter yet, right? Why did we say? Yeah, it, it didn't resonate with his spirit yet. He needed something that touched the deep grave. It's spirit that recognizes spirit. It's spirit that communicates with spirit. And here it says, but God has revealed them, what? The wisdom that you need to walk into the things he's prepared for you is what it said previously. God's revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Do you want everything God wants to freely give you? Then it, it actually it requires that we move into a relationship with him where we, we recognize his voice in, in the spirit. I could have been too busy yesterday and missed that the spirit was speaking to me. And I'm, I'm, I'm fully convinced that we do it all the time. Um, it is a life, you know, I, I was so tempted, but I'd have had to keep you here another, another hour. And then um, I was tempted to put in how many scriptures are about, about living the life of the Spirit, living led by the Spirit. Well, we have that so mystical. Wow, well, how do you do that? How is that possible? What do I do to live the life of the Spirit? And I'm telling you, it is this. It is the voice of God. It, alignment is in the voice. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the rhema word of God. In other words, if the rhema word of God is absent in our life or, or hindered or let's say rare, okay, I know it's not absent or you wouldn't be sitting here. The only reason you're sitting here is because he called your name and you responded. In other words, you can hear the voice of God. You're made to hear the voice of God. You're designed for it. <laughs> and he's always talking. And if we're going to move into the things he's prepared for us or where it says here, the things that he's freely giving, the things that he wants you to freely have, it requires the hidden wisdom of God. And there's only one way that's come by. The voice of God. And by faith, we walk into the anointed life. Amen. <laughs> 
Verse 13, and I I am wrapping here. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual, but the carnal man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. But the carnal man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. You know what I think we do? Um, In fact, I'm certain I do sometimes. Um, Have you ever just really needed an answer or an insight and so you pray and pray and pray and and you don't seem to get it? One other person? You're leaving me lonely too often this morning. (laughs) And you're just like, man, I really need an answer on this. But the harder you pray, the more it's like, I got nothing. I am my... My spirit's not sensing anything. And then the next thing you know, you're like vacuuming the carpet or driving down the road and all the wisdom of God on the matter comes to you. Do you know why that is? (laughs) I believe it's right here in this scripture. (laughs) Do you want to know? I think I can tell you. (laughs) I think this is... the insight I have here is that spirit recognizes spirit. It's we're trying so hard to communicate to the spiritual realm with our mind that we don't have a chance. Most of the time in prayer, we're, we're leaning in with our brain as hard as we can. The smoke coming out of the ears and um, we're probably crying and Lord help me. And then as soon as we rest, as soon as we, we give space for the spirit Let him speak through a deer, if you're as crazy as I am, or I know someone else in the room, the Lord really speaks to him through the stars when he sits out under the stars. However, he speaks to you, but you see, it's a spiritual thing. You're never going to pray hard enough with your brain. I'm not saying don't use your brain. I mean, it's study to show thyself approved and pray according to what you know. Pray the scriptures. It's all fine. I'm just saying the rhema voice of God, the living, active voice of Jesus that is going to walk you into the anointed life that he's prepared for you is something that is going to happen at the Spirit. I've known so many people through my life, scholars for the Lord. And I go into this mode, so I don't mean this condemning. I can easily slip into scholar mode, usually when I'm scared. (laughs) nothing like a warm scholarly blankie when you're scared (laughs) right am I right (laughs) and I forgot the mode I'm talking about Um, (laughs) anyway gosh thank you Lord that this is fun to walk with you okay and I need to finish reading here then because it leads us to the bottom line Verse 14, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things. You know what that means? You know what judges did? Like we think of that as like making a judgment. But in their culture, judging was ruling. In other words, this is saying, but he who is spiritual, in other words, what? He who... um, he who all these things that we're reading, who has recognition of the Spirit, connection to the rhema voice of God, the one who's walking into the things he's prepared for them, you rule over all things. That's what that means. Judge means rule. They had judges as their rulers. 
Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. You know, in Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And it says, against such things, there's no law. That's why this can say this, that, that um, you can be judged by no one. You're ruled, but you rule over everything that is in, that is in the realm of your calling, and, and nothing can rule over your calling but the Spirit of the living God. But it absolutely requires the rhema voice of God. Otherwise, we don't know what to put our faith in. We can run after a hundred good things, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's good. It's not against God. It's just, it's just, but it is. I believe these scriptures show us it is against your walking into the things he's prepared for you because you can't walk two directions at the same time. And the rhema voice of God is the only thing that provides for us the word that is spoken over us. In other words, the promise of the things he's prepared for you so that you can hold your faith in it. Now that's really the bottom line. I, I'm sensing this, so I just I have to put this out there. We're walking in a discouraging time right now. We're walking where the warfare is really, really real. And, and the only remedy is holding the things that he's spoken. Yeah, the, the things that he's spoken, hold that. But I'm talking about the rhema word of God, the things that he's spoken on your life, the words that you have received from him. Holding that is the only remedy to the discouragement that keeps the barriers that keep you from, hey, we just prayed about that, that keep you from getting to the things that he has prepared for you. Sometimes all we've got, you know, the circumstances are going to lie. The circumstances are going to try to stop you. But holding the word, the hidden thing that God gave you, that is for the release of the things that he prepared for you, is the only thing. Amen. Amen. Okay, Blake, would you come up and prepare for... For me, you know, I'm going to do this actually um, very quickly. You know, Jesus, um, Luke 17, verse 20. Sorry, I'm going to have you stand there a minute with me. I, one more thing. One more thing. Luke 17, 20. Now, when he was at, when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here. Or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Now you see what we do? I think we are, we're, we're looking for the voice of God outside, outside of us, from, from outside. And the voice of God is within you. You know, the voice of God, Jesus only operates in his own kingdom. <laughs> he, doesn't, um, he doesn't fool around in another kingdom. He, he uh, only operates in his kingdom according to, to his rule of his government in his kingdom. And so the only way the voice of God is coming to you is that burn that we talked about with Peter, is that the kingdom of God is within. We keep looking for the voice of God outside, and all that does is lie to us. Now I'm finished. That's